it is. This morning, before I start my message, I want to talk to you um, briefly about something awesome that is going on in our church and something that is awesome that is going on in our city and something that I want to um, jump on board with what God is doing around this city and uh, in the hearts of people in this city. And we are going to tie this to Easter. And so this morning, I want to kind of cast some vision for what we want to do in the next four or five weeks between now and Easter and invite you to join me to get on the bus with God on this thing. So as you'll remember, probably three or four weeks ago, I can't remember exactly how long it was, um, I was giving a sermon. And in the midst of that sermon, I just said these words, don't give up. I said, don't give up. And it was just this Holy Spirit moment where it was like, I don't know if I can quite describe it, but it did feel like very much like a tongue of fire, you know, sitting upon my head. Like, this is what God is saying to this church right now. And I said, and I'm going to put that up on the marquee. You guys remember I said that? So we did that next week. We put it up on the marquee and uh, it's been up there ever since. And people have been driving by it. And we've begun to hear stories from around town of people not a part of our church that are driving by in a moment of crisis or in a moment of need and have pulled over because they're weeping in tears, just seeing these words on our marquee, don't give up, don't give up. And then I've been hearing stories from people within the church, uh, even Heidi, my wife, who is not here this morning, she's home with Isaac, and gosh, but we've had we've had the season, right, between my back and then Amelia had like the flu for two weeks and now Isaac has just started into it. We're kind of, we're like, it's the domino effect. We're waiting to all of us get it. But she's at home, and she was driving by the other day to go take a kid to the doctor, and there it was on the, on the sign, don't give up. And she's just like, okay, Jesus, I can do this. I can keep going. Don't give up. And in the midst of all that, we've had several suicides in our community. We've had a number of people that have lost their jobs, that are moving from places. There's all this turmoil and suffering going on in the community. And this message of don't give up has been speaking to people. I want to get on that bus. About a week after I put this sign up on the board, um, I get this magazine from my uh, master's degree alma mater, George Fox University. It's this cool little, you know, the alumni magazine or whatever. Basically, they're asking for money. Um, <laughs> but on the front cover is this young woman, about 25 years old, holding a, a white sign. Um, it's like a, just, a, you know, the yard signs, like the political signs you'd put in your yard. It's just one of those you know, foam board signs. And on the, on this sign in big black letters are don't give up. And so I'm like, Hey, what's this all about? So I opened up this magazine and it turns out that just after college, um, our stories are really similar. She came down, not came down. I don't, you don't come down with cancer. I came down with cancer. Um, she, she wound up getting a breast cancer and had to go through, uh, chemotherapy and stuff. And one of her friends wrote her a note and in big black letters just wrote, don't give up. And it was so meaningful for her that she started, she had this idea that other people needed to hear this message. So she started making these little cards and sending them to people. And then somewhere along the line, she got this idea to make yard signs that say, don't give up. And she started putting them and people started buying them from her and putting them in her yards all over her city. And their stories, just like what we've been doing, have been rolling in all across the city. I was running, one person said. I was out just for a run and I'm shooting for a marathon. I've never done it in my life and I was just dying and I came past your yard and here's this sign, don't give up. I lost my job. I got a divorce. My kids kind of abandoned me. I started into alcoholism and my life was completely falling apart. And I walked past your house and I saw the sign, don't give up. And she began to expand on those words. You are worthy of love. You matter. 
Your mistakes don't define you. These things are all over her city, and now she's making them and selling them all across the world. And I thought, why don't we jump on that bus together? This Easter, we're going to talk about don't give up. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the, we're going to look at the story of the cross from the perspective of Judas, who was the disciple who betrayed Jesus and who, who committed suicide in the end. And it's going to be a deep and difficult message because we're going to talk about suicide. And it's a conversation that's going on across our community right now. And what I'd like to do this year is to plant seeds of hope all across our community. In years past, we've given you invitations here. You just take this and give it to five friends. And many of you are like, I don't even know if I have five friends that would be willing to come much less five friends who I could give these to. And I feel like, you know, there's been a, like a low-level guilt on Easter because of that, and we have not had a lot of success inviting people. You know what? I'm actually, I don't care if anybody else shows up to church on Easter Sunday. I mean, it would be awesome. I believe that Jesus' message is true today as it was 2,000 years ago, and it's more powerful and alive today than it's ever been, and God could move mightily across a room full of people here who are hopeless and lost. I believe that deeply, and I would love to see that. But I feel like God is calling us not to make sure people come to church, but to make sure that people hear this message of hope. Don't give up. Don't give up. So this morning, I have with me wristbands. And on them, they say, on one side, you matter, and on the other, it says, don't give up. And these are free to anybody who would like to wear one. We're going to begin with this. Begin to attach the sign to your wrist. Next week, I will have 50-yard signs here to go into strategic yards all across the city. If you've got one on campus and you want to get it up there, we want to put it up there. We are um, working on trying to find people to sponsor posters, big posters that say, don't give up. And then at the bottom, it just says, Pullman Foursquare Church, Easter Sunday Brunch. And it has the information for Easter, but big letters, don't give up. You are worthy of love. You matter. Because that's what we want people to hear. Amen? And then we're going to get those signs up in every coffee shop we can get it in, in every dorm room that we can get it in. And if I can, I want to get a great big banner made for that crosswalk. If we can get the university to allow us to put don't give up and great big words up there, nothing else, just don't give up. You matter, don't give up. And get this message blasted all across our city, this message of hope. Would you join me in this? Next week, I'll also have business card size uh, messages that say these very same things. You matter, don't give up. You, you're worthy of love. And we're going to give these out instead of invitations. On the back, it'll just have our Pullman Foursquare Church name, and that's all. And you can send them to people not in this town. If you've got a family member or a friend across the country, across the world, that needs a little message of hope, you can drop that in an envelope, send it to them. You could leave it on a counter at a coffee shop or wherever. We just want to spread the seeds around. And I'm going to have hundreds of those for you to take as many as you want, to give away for as long as you want. You want to join me in this? Does anybody want a wristband right now? Okay, let's do this. I'm just going to, Masaro, yeah, uh, we need another usher. Let's throw them, throw them. Let's, uh, yeah, I would, but we'd lose them. Let's see, ushers, there's somebody, yeah, Joe, grab a couple of these. All right, and I've got, I will order more if I run out. They're 25 cents a piece, I'll buy these. So they're going to start going around. You know what's really cool about these? Not only do they say something to somebody else when they kind of catch it, they say something to me. <laughs> And it keeps moving. So sometimes it says, don't give up. And sometimes it says, you matter. And you know what? I want you to hear this from me this morning. And it's going to actually go with my message. You matter. You really do matter. It matters that you're here today. It matters to this community that you are present, whether you do anything or not. 
Whether you give or not, you matter to this church. You matter to this community of faith, and you matter to this city, and you can make a difference. And all you have to do is give this message of hope. Amen? I want to pray for this, um, and I'm gonna, I was going to ask, I'm going to ask Janice to do it. Um, that gives me a second to open my Bible so I can completely transition to the other thing that I have to talk about. But Janice, would you just stand up where you're at, and, and you can just pray over our Easter seeds of hope that we're going to plant around the city? So you matter. And let me tell you one of the many reasons why. We're going to start a new series ser- seri- series, series this morning. Um, and uh, here it comes. Ready? Boom! Spiritual gifts. The magical powers of Christians? Set that I say, yeah, magical superpowers. I missed a whole word. The magical superpowers of Christians? Um, I was a little, I'm actually, I'll be real honest, I've been nervous to do this for a very long time for a lot of reasons. And I know that this slide is probably, uh, for some of you, you're looking at it and you're really curious. You're curious about the topic, hopefully excited to hear what the Bible is going to say about it. But I know that this slide is probably upsetting to some of you. So let me start by addressing it. First of you, some of you may not be at ease just talking about spiritual gifts because you've had uh, a less than stellar experience around that topic. You've been in some sort of circumstance or church that hurt or abused you or abused the gifts, or they just kind of went wild in a, in a really unhealthy way, and it's like, well, that's just bonkers and nuts, and it's for bonkers and nuts people, and they can have it. I will be just fine um, in my nice little bubble of quiet and keep my hands in my pocket and not really express very much. I'll just stay there. Others of you uh, maybe have absolutely no experience with the spiritual gifts. Um, You have not come across them in any meaningful way. Your churches didn't talk about them growing up, um, and so you just don't know anything about it. So you're maybe curious about what this is all about. Others of you um, have actually maybe been in this boat with me before. You've actually prayed for specific spiritual gifts, You've asked, God, I want to receive this thing. Maybe it's the gift of tongues. Maybe it was the gift of healing, because who doesn't want the gift of healing, right? I mean, everybody wants that one. That's like, woohoo, heal somebody, boom, God's there. It would be awesome. Um, maybe it was a, maybe the gift of administration. Now, some of you may have been crazy enough to ask for that one. Like I have, over and over, God, I need the gift of administration. You put me in charge of a church. I need the gift of administration. And it's like, again, like flinging your words to a wall or, you know, into empty space and they just land on the floor in front of you in a wet pile. And you're like, God, why aren't you answering this? So spiritual gifts for you may be uh, just kind of like this place of an unanswered prayer. Now for others of you, the topic of spiritual gifts isn't troublesome at all. But uh, with this, it's the unicorn and the rainbow that really bother you. Right? Now, let me say, you know, if you're thinking that, you're probably thinking, I'm making light of the spiritual gifts. And let me assure you right now that I'm not. Really what I want to do is I want to make you aware that there are many in the community around us, and probably some right here in this room, that think exactly this about the spiritual gifts. About speaking in tongues, about prophesying, about healing, about all of these things that the Bible talks about the apostles and the early church doing. They think it's like some kind of a magical gift, a superpower that you get when you become a Christian, and only Christians have them, and it's weird, and we don't want to interact with it. We just let them do their thing. I also think that a lot of us Christians tend to take ourselves just a little bit too seriously. Or perhaps not seriously enough. 
I kind of think that there is this range. We take ourselves really seriously. We think we're taking ourselves seriously, but we're not actually taking the subject seriously enough because we can't play with it. We can't laugh with it. We can't engage in the highest forms of communication with it. So we're not quite taking it serious enough. And as we engage in the gifts, I want there to be a sense of joy, of laughter, of fun, of light, of excitement, because that's what the gifts bring. We are given a gift of joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of us. And when the Spirit fills us, we become joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, and self-controlled. I mean, these are great things, and we can be excited about getting them. So that's why this amazing, awesome, unicorn, rainbow, magical power slide, okay? It's meant to be fun. So now that we've talked about that, I want to move on. And by the way, I love unicorns not because they're cute, but because they're fierce. So there you go. It's the national animal of Scotland. Those people throw logs, okay? They eat sheep stomachs. How can unicorns be cute and fluffy? Yes. If you remember nothing else today, what are you going to remember? Unicorns are fierce. Yep. Say it with me. Unicorns are fierce. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's not talk about the llama corn. All right. So let's uh, let's start with the Bible. I mean, I got all kinds of crazy fun things I could say, but I'm not God. So let's actually listen to God on this subject. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of First Corinthians, chapter 12? So while you're going there, I just want to say how much I really love how Apostle the Apostle Paul starts off this portion of his letter to the Corinthians. He says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some versions actually use the word ignorant. And I think they've taken it out of there because that's just kind of offensive, right? It's like, wait a minute, he just said I'm ignorant. He can't do that. Dirty Paul, 2,000 years ago, I'll slap you for calling me ignorant. It's just this, this word of like, I don't want you to not know about this thing that you have access to. We want you to know that it is not something that is extra to your faith. It is not something that is for the elite spiritual, uh, you know, crack team of Christians that, you know, these guys are the, the commandos of Christianity who have been given all of their gifts like a, like a Green Beret is given the right weapons and the right training. It's not something that is for the spiritual elite. It is for all of us. And so Paul wants the church in Corinthians to not be ignorant of it. Have you ever had something awesome and you didn't realize it? I had this uh, friend who was a pastor, a guy I worked with in Lake Stevens, and he had this crazy side hustle where he would go to secondhand stores and he would look for oil paintings. And he'd just buy them on the spot. Then he'd take them home and he would research them. He had this house full of oil paintings, you know, and half of them were done by 12-year-olds trying to do Bob Ross. You know, they're watching the Bob Ross show, the hair. and It's a happy tree. There's no mistakes. I'm like, this is terrible. But he, he every now and then would come across the painting that the second hand store, they had no clue. It was, and it was, it had value. One time, he brought one home, and he went, began to research the signature and the name, and turns out it was a famous artist, and that the painting was worth about a thousand dollars, and it was only about this big. It was a really, and he wound up selling it on eBay for more than the value that was listed online. The, the second hand store had this thing of great value, but had no clue. They're like, 25 cents? Let me just sell it and give that away. I think the spiritual gifts are very much like that. You know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have access to all the treasures of heaven. And we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are given this right at the get-go. And we have this treasure that's within us, and we don't access it. 
We don't, we don't even know it. We don't know how valuable it is. And that's what's going on here in 1 Corinthians. Paul is saying, look, about these gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to not know about them. In fact, I want you to know what is in you so that you can access it, so that it can come alive in you, and so that it can accomplish what it was meant to accomplish in you and in the world around you. So let's take a look at the text. I don't want you to be ignorant about what you have, so let's read about what you have. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you are saying with your life that Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in you. There's no question about this. There's a lot of theological argument about who has the Holy Spirit and who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. If you can profess that Jesus is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit because that's the only way you can do it is by the Spirit's work in you. Now moving on, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit an utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the very same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Got it? All right, let's go home. Jesus, I pray that this text would come alive for us this morning and we would begin to discover what you have placed inside of us. That we would unwrap and unravel the packaging that is surrounding this. And God, that we would, we would unwrap the fear that is keeping us from coming to these gifts. We would unwrap the ignorance that is coming, uh, keeping us from coming to these gifts. And God, that you would stir up and ignite the gifts of your, your spirit that are resident in each person in this room this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start with this. We all have gifts. All of us. You're going, no, not me. Wrong. The Bible is very clear about this. To each is given. We all have gifts. We are all gifted by the Holy Spirit. Each and every single one of us. Even those who have not believed. These things are resident inside of us. They just haven't been ignited or empowered by God. Think about it. All across the world, there are people that are operating in great gifts that could be used for the glory of God if empowered by the Holy Spirit, but they use them for their own selfish gain. They're twisted and perverted by sin. Think about the creativity of the master thief, the creativity that it gets you know, to do Ocean's Eleven. You guys have watched in 12 and 13, and I don't know where they're at now, 14 or 15, to sneak into the highest security place and to steal the greatest diamond of all time. And then you know, Inspector Clouseau has to chase them. But the creativity that it takes to come up with how to do this 
That creativity is a God-given gift that's been perverted and not ignited by the Holy Spirit, but placed inside of a person, and they used it for their own self-will. Think about the gift of leadership in dictators around this world. People from the past history, like Hitler. The amazing amount of charisma and leadership that man displayed to lead an entire nation, to dehumanize an entire race of people, and to march across Europe in war, the amount of leadership that that took is staggering. Now imagine if somebody was to have that amount of leadership and to be empowered by God and let his Holy Spirit work out of them. What could happen in this world? You have somebody like Billy Graham. You have a Billy Graham. We are all gifted, but our gifts can be used by God to accomplish good and wonder in this world can bring healing and build up the church, or it can bring destruction, pain, and it can be a building of the self. Even the gifts of the Spirit that we call ecstatic gifts, so there's kind of two kinds of gifts. you got the ecstatic gifts. These are like the gifts of tongues. We're praying, and suddenly we're, it sounds like we're babbling, but it's something going on inside of us. The Holy Spirit's igniting, and we're praying, and we don't even understand necessarily what we're praying. Or the gift of prophecy, you're standing there and you're praying and suddenly you know something for somebody else that God is speaking to you and you, it's a word of encouragement and it's like, Doug, I just want to tell you, Doug, don't give up. God's saying, don't give up, Doug. And it's this word of prophecy. It's a word of prophecy for the whole city, like putting it out on the marquee. It's an ecstatic gift. It comes in a moment. But then there's like, there's these other gifts. They're vocational gifts. Like you have the gift of being an apostle, which means that you can go where other people can't. You go places and you take the gospel, you take Jesus' love in places like coffee shops and in the campus and in your classrooms and you're able to share it in ways that just make sense to people. Or maybe you're a, a, a teacher. You come and when you start teaching, you just come alive. You ever experienced that where you have this thing, you just come alive and it's just exciting for you. These are those vocational gifts that God ignites. And all of these things can be used and ignited by the Holy Spirit or they can be used by you and they can bring pain and suffering and brokenness all around you. But you were gifted. This last Wednesday night, we had our very first emotionally healthy relationships class. How many of you are in that? Hands up. Woohoo! Yep. There's about, there's 26 of us taking the class, and I just heard about four more that are doing it on their own. It's awesome class. And th- we actually began with 1 Corinthians in this whole class. And here's what, what Paul writes in another place in 1 Corinthians. He says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I prophesy and have all knowledge, but I do not have love, I am, and everybody fill in the blank if you know it, I am nothing. There's a sounding gong, a clanging cymbal. That's the next part. So you're both. Nothing and just the noise, right? Excuse me. <clears throat> if I have all of these gifts inside of me, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. We learned in this class that actually, you know, we think of spiritual gifts as this mark of maturity. But the mark of Christian maturity is not giftedness, it's love. It's where those gifts are being used for the sake of other people where it's being used to build up one another, where it's being used to speak a word of encouragement and life and hope to somebody else, where it's being used to love somebody else well. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, my goal isn't to see every single one of you speaking in tongues, although that'd be awesome. My goal isn't to see every single one of you with the gift of healing, although that'd be incredible. My goal is to see love flowing from glad and sincere hearts that the love of, the, of God fills us to the depths of our core and in that ignites the gifts of the Spirit that He has poured out on us and the ecstatic gifts that He pours out for a moment or for a week or for a lifetime. That these gifts are being used out of love. Our goal is to build you up in such a way that you are able to love well 
while accessing all that God has for you, pursuing him with all you have, and serving the people that Jesus loves. And who does Jesus love? It was like a smattering of everyone, question mark. We want you to serve the people that Jesus loves. And who does Jesus love? Everyone. All right. So that's the first point. Everybody is gifted, but our goal isn't the gifts. Our goal is love from a glad and sincere heart. Next, I want you to think about this. Paul says this, that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them. You know, you kind of imagine, you kind of, every time we talk about the Holy Spirit, how many of you imagine Casper the Friendly Ghost? Anybody? Am I the only person? Okay. There's one hand, one sheepish hand in the back. All right, you and me, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Because yeah, it's just it's this formless, shapeless, you know, thing. It's hard to get your brain around. But it's the Spirit of God. And you can almost picture him going around and like, here's one for you, and here's one for you, and here's two for you, and here's three for you, and here's one for you. And he's just giving out these gifts, and he's like Santa Claus. He's all excited about it because giving is fun. God is having a blast doing this, and he's handing out these gifts. And so he's the same Spirit going around this room, handing each of us gifts. And it's the same spirit that hands a gift to Doug, that hands a gift to Marlene, that hands a gift to Rochelle, and all across the room, everybody gets a gift from the same spirit, not a different one, not a different person, different guy, it's same God, same spirit. And then he says this, there are different kinds of service, because he knows that Doug is working, I can just keep talking about you, you're wearing bright orange, don't wear bright orange, Doug, Um, sorry, it's your own fault. So Doug works at a school in that town that the name just went, Endicott, there it is, works at a school in the town of Endicott, and he interacts with kids all day long. And God looks at Doug and says, you've got, this is your yard, man. I've put you here for a purpose, and you're going to have to love those kids. So I'm going to give you a gift, an extraordinary love for those kids. I'm going to give you a gift of, maybe a gift of prophecy, where you actually speak something that means something to a kid. And he's like, what? And suddenly, he's interested in God. Maybe it's maybe it's Annie. You know, God comes and he doesn't just give her a random gift because he knows that she's got a yard, she's got a place, that she's got to work, that she's been placed, and she needs something specific. She needs some specific gift to operate in that place. So there's a different service for Annie that there is for Doug, and there's a different service for you that there is for me. And if you look all across this church, just even in the things that take to run the church— there's different things. We got ushers, we got greeters, we got Sunday school teachers, we got people that need the gift of coffee making, okay? To offer hospitality, right? To welcome people to say, you matter, you belong. Here's a good cup of coffee, not a bad cup of coffee. You matter so much, we made good coffee for you. I'm serious. I mean, it's funny, but this is what we do. We serve one another. We serve the city around us. And so God gifts us, the same God, gifting us in different ways for our different services. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, is the same God at work. So we can't hold it above one another. Oh, I've got the gift of prophecy. And that's exactly what was going on in the First Corinthian church. The First Corinthian church was incredibly wealthy. They were incredibly influential. They were incredibly gifted. They had a gifted speakers. They had gifted people. They had people that were operating in the gifts of healing. They were healing people. They were healing people. They were, they were touching somebody, and they were like, boom, their leg is working. Boom, they, they're no longer brain dead. Boom, they're alive. They were dead. I mean, all this stuff is going on all across the church. It's very passionate, very exciting. And Paul looks at him and he says, hey, you can have all those gifts. That's great, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. 
that's what they didn't do well. They didn't love one another well with their gifts, and they were using it to say, hey, look how much better I am than you. I have the gift of healing. What do you got? I've got the gift of administration. Nobody wants the gift of administration because that means I've got to sit in an office. Casey, (laughs) we just got the gift of administration. These gifts all come from the same Father, all for different works of service. You are gifted. You have a yard. You have a a fenced area, a a, a mission. That's the word I'm looking for. I've been struggling to find. You've got a defined mission for your life, and God is gifting you to do it. And it doesn't make you better than somebody else. Your, Your grass is not greener than the other person's. It just a different kind of grass. And this is really where we can get into trouble with the gifts of the Spirit. We start looking at those gifts and saying, hey, I want to be more spiritually mature, so I want a new gift. And so I'm going to seek that gift. I'm going to seek the gift of tongues. I'm going to seek the gift of healing. I'm going to seek the gift of prophecy. And those things are great. And the Bible says to pursue those things. Pursue them. But the gift is not the point. A lot of us, I think, want an experience in church that proves that God is real and that God loves us. And the gifts are a prime target for that, right? We can ask for the gifts of the Spirit. If I'm suddenly speaking in tongues and it's not me, I'm out of control of this thing. It's just happening on its own. Clearly God is real. God has done something in me. It's subjective maybe to everybody else, but for me it is not subjective. And I know that this is the Holy Spirit working in me. And I know God is real. And he must love me if he's allowed me to do this. The reality is, is that God loves you whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. God loves you whether you prophesy or don't prophesy. God loves you whether you have a whole plethora of gifts. He's used that great big word, a whole plethora of gifts, and you're not using them at all. You're letting them sit underneath the tree, and some of them are rusting, and the packaging is falling apart, and the tree needles are falling apart, and everything's dying, and God looks at you and says, I still love you. We don't pursue the gifts. We pursue the one who gives the gifts. We seek the giver and not the gifts. God has gifted us, and he pours those gifts on us because he loves us, yes. But the gifts are not his love or the point at all. To seek the gifts is tantamount to to just wanting gifts to feel like you're loved. We all know kids that are like this. I want the new Xbox this year, Daddy. You don't love me enough, right? You're not going to give me the car this weekend? You, I thought you said you loved me. When we start equating love with gifts, and we can't do that as Christians, Because God is love. The gifts of the Spirit are not love in and of themselves. God is love. So we seek God. We seek Him and not the gifts. If we look to the gifts to give us love, we will always want something more or something better or something bigger. We will need to feel more loved. It will never satisfy us. But if we seek to know the one who gives the gifts, then we can experience love. And when we seek to know God and to know His love, we find Him and we receive gifts. It's like double dipping. Bonus time. So seek the giver and not the gifts. And let me just insert this here. Paul even starts this passage by saying this. Um, I do not want you to be informed. As you know, that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, idols, however you were led. Often people will treat the spiritual gifts really as an idol. When we start seeking those gifts, we start seeking those experiences of those gifts, they wind up superseding God. And when we do that, they become an idol that we worship just like the idols that these guys once worshipped. Stone idols that meant nothing, that did nothing, that could do nothing. They were led there. They were saying, hey, everybody, here's the God. Everybody, the worship, this, is the, this is the God for the temple. Let's all go worship this God. And they did it until they encountered the real and living God, the God of love, Jesus, and they were transformed and they were changed. 
So don't seek the gifts as an idol. Don't worship them as an idol. Don't see them as something that's going to make you a better person. Seek God and God's love because that's what will transform you. That's where you'll experience real and true love. Third or fourth or wherever I'm at in the line, seek gifts for the sake of others. Imagine if you had a heart, like you were in, okay, my daughter just took CPR uh, lifeguard training. So imagine you were her and you were working at the pool and a guy is laying on the pool deck having a heart attack, right? You know nothing about CPR in this moment. You know nothing about AEDs, uh, those electrical, clear, whatever those things are. You know nothing about this stuff. You just see a man lying on the ground. He is clutching his chest. He's purple and then kind of blue and then kind of polka dotted stripes and then has a unicorn horn and it's like what is going on with this man and then he's having a heart attack imagine if that's going on and you look at him what happens in your heart you want to do something to help right i mean maybe it's fear at first maybe it's like what is going on but you want to do something to help now imagine you could go lord i need your spirit to help me fix this thing to help me and you were able suddenly God miraculously, boom, lightning strikes your brain and you suddenly know how to do CPR, right? And you suddenly know how to use those paddles and you run and you get them and you save the man's life. That would be awesome, isn't it? It would be so cool. In that moment, though, you have asked for a gift, but you didn't ask for it for yourself. You weren't like, I need the gift of CPR, Lord, so that I can be CPR certified and have the card and get a job. No, you were like, I need CPR, Lord, to save this man's life. Seek the gifts for the sake of others. Seek the gifts for the sake of others. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. When you were given a gift by the Holy Spirit and it's ignited in you, it's to serve somebody else. It's not so that you feel good about yourself or so that you can know that God loves you. It's so that you can serve somebody else. And what very often happens is that we get tired of serving in those gifts or we don't use those gifts or we don't even want those gifts because really we don't have this heart to want to serve somebody else. We're too busy. We have our life. You know, God give us this yard that this is our mission and we're so busy working in this mission or managing this mission that we're not actually using our gifts to serve the people that are within that. The gifts are not given to us for our own benefit. They're given to us for the common good. God gives gifts so that we can build each other up, so that we can help one another, so that when someone is struggling and down, God is going to send somebody with a gift of encouragement. When someone is in need of a word from a Lord at some point in their life, they've got, I gotta go right or I gotta go left. I don't know which way to go. And somebody comes with this word of encouragement, of discernment, of wisdom, and out it comes and suddenly they have clarity in their life because God gifted somebody and they used it to serve somebody else if you've ever benefited let me ask you this if you've ever benefited from a gift of the spirit being activated in somebody else if you have ever been given a word of encouragement if you've ever been healed or touched by somebody if you've ever been prayed for by somebody because they had the gift of faith just to pray for you in that moment if you've ever um, been given a sense of clarity or good advice by somebody who was wise and had the spirit of wisdom um, if any of these things have ever happened to you if you've ever been taught the word of god in such a way that it was transformational for you because you encountered a real teacher would you just raise your hand if you've ever ever been touched by a gift of the Holy Spirit? 
pretty much everybody. And that illustrates why it's so important for you to discover your gifts and use it for somebody else. Because you know what? There's going to be a moment when somebody needs you. When somebody is in need of the gift that God has placed in you and the Holy Spirit is going to ignite it in that moment and you are going to use that gift and it is going to bring passion into your heart. It's going to bring transformation into their life and God's kingdom is going to grow and expand. You need to use your gifts. So that's why I want to end with this last thing. Stir up the gifts that are in you. Stir them up. Paul says to Timothy, his, his, uh, his mentor, Paul is like the mentor, so it'd be a mentee, not a mento, but a mentee, Timothy. He's this pastor of this little church. And uh, so Paul says to him, Timothy, people laid hands on you and prayed for you and they, you were gifted. God gave you gifts to work in your yard. He gave you gifts to fulfill the mission that I've given you. Stir up the gifts. Don't let them sit there and rust. Don't let them sit there and disappear. If I've learned one thing in my life, it's this. Use it or lose it. When I did tree work, um, when I was doing tree work, I had to like study for hours to learn all of this science behind how a tree works. I could tell you every cell name. I could tell you how they interact. I could tell you 500 diseases that trees might have. I could walk into your front yard and I could look at a tree and I could see one leaf with a spot on it. I'd be like, there's three diseases that cause this one spot right here. And it's probably this one because of this other thing that you don't see over here. And I could just like had all this knowledge. And guess what? If I was to walk into your yard now, I'd look at your tree and go, hey, that's nice. It's all gone. 10 years later, I stopped using it. It's all gone. I worked out day in, day out for hours, and I had this amazing physique. I'll just leave it sit there. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right? If you don't use it, you lose it. If you neglect the gift that God has given you, if you have the gift of teaching and you say, I'm not going to teach Sunday school, I don't have time you have the gift of teaching and you say, I'm not going to pursue an avenue that allows me to use that gift either in the church or in the world, that gift will wither and crumble and fade. And it'll sit there, a little pruny raisin in the backyard of your life. That was very descriptive. So Paul tells Timothy to use his gifts, to stir them up, to ignite them, to pray for them, to, to, to stir them up inside of him and use them. And I say to you, use your gift. If your gift is to prophesy, prophesy. If you have the gift of tongues, exercise it. Don't stop praying in tongues because it's weird. Pray in tongues. All of you tongue speakers, you need to be praying in tongues all the time because you're praying things that none of us even know to pray for. That's what it says. The Bible says the Spirit prays for us on our behalf. The Spirit gives us the gift of tongues so that we can pray things that we don't know. If you have the gift of tongues, use it. If you have the gift of teaching, I need you to use it. If you have the gift of children's ministry, that's like a lot of different gifts. We need you to use it. If you have the gift of encouragement, you need to use it. If you have the gift of evangelism, that's the gift that says it means you can win people to your side. That works out like in advertising. It works out in all sorts of circles around the globe that isn't even the church. If you've got this gift, the church needs you to use it because somebody in this world is dying without hope and they need you to share your reason why you have hope. If you have a gift, stir it up. If you have the gift of hospitality, you need to ignite the gift of hospitality. Invite somebody to your house. 
Help people at church feel more like they belong or can belong. We need the gifts, and there is no time left for us to be lazy or tired or wore out or so busy with other things in life that we're not using the things that God has given us. Stir up the gifts. Use the gifts because you matter. Your gift matters. The Holy Spirit operating in you at this time in your life, whether you are 10 or whether you are 80, it does not matter. You are gifted and you are called and you are chosen and God has placed it in you and it is time to use it. The time is now. So here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to close by praying for each other. Yes! Somebody told me, and I'm not going to say who, that church, this church is like a lab. We talk about something and then we practice it. And I love that. Like, maybe we'll just change the church name from Pullman Foursquare to Laboratory Church. It's a little weird. I'm not even sure how you make a logo for that. But we're going to get into the laboratory now. And I want to get into groups of four or five or six, whatever you're comfortable with. People that you know, if you don't know anybody, somebody is going to invite you in. And uh, we're just going to pray for one another. And I want to pray very specifically that God would stir up the gift that is in you. And I want your group to pray over you that that would happen. So, uh, you know, leader type people, people that have been around the block, you've been in the church, we went through the whole prayer series and you know what we're doing. You guys kind of lead the process, but get in groups of four or five. I'm going to give you uh, five or six minutes. We're right about noon now and we're going a little bit long, but I want to take the time to do this and then we'll just close with a song, all right? So um, on the count of three, go. One, two, three, go. Go.